to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, he is Dylan Schwartz, and we are combined 4-0 as SIDs in OVC play this season. Let's see some other podcast duo claim that. Dylan, how are you? I'm good, and even better that we're, we're 4-0 and looking to make that 8-0. <laughs> Hopefully this weekend we'll have a lot of stuff to, to do with that, he said. I'm sorry. Let, let me preface this by saying... I feel terrible. I've caught something, so if I lose my train of thought or if I sound like I sound, that's the reason why. Just know I've got a fourth of a brain cell firing, and I'm putting it all into this. Unlike our student-athletes, who last semester had all their brain cells firing to accumulate a 3.15 fall semester GPA, bravo, bravo to our student-athletes. That is quite the achievement. And in more detail, three straight 3.0 semester GPAs across the department and five programs, football, men's, women's golf, indoor volleyball, and men's cross country set records for the highest team GPA in their program's history. And this is the total experience we want. And the, the script says, from y'all, dadgummit. <laughs> I'm going to say that in a very country voice. And here you are getting in, you know, hopefully uh, these teams can go get some rings to, to go to the grades and have the philosophy experience. That's what we're shooting for here. Uh, Another news, the 2019 college football playoff national title game. Um, Alabama Clemson 4 was anticlimactic, I think, would be the best way to describe it. I, I, yeah. Um, there's not really much to say. I mean, after the, I think Alabama didn't score the entire game until after, like, the five, like, the, um, like right at the start of the second quarter. And the rest of the game was just all Clemson, obviously. And, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was kind of enjoyable to watch because, you know, a lot of people don't like Alabama. I respect them. Because, you know, I'm a, time, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan, and everybody hates the Patriots for, you know, kind of the same reason. So, so you guys are like, you guys are brothers in being despised by a large swath Pretty of Pretty much, nation. and it doesn't really help that claim that Belichick and Saban are kind of buddy-buddy. So, I can see that. They're, yeah. they're kind of cut from the same automatronic cloth. He did um, a little segment for Saban before the game aired, like the pregame stuff. They had Belichick talk about Saban. Really, I didn't yeah. see that. What do you What do you say? I can't really remember. I'm, Just I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's Bill Belichick talking. I'm sure yeah. it was fascinating. I did see one smile from Belichick. Uh, must be a glitch. They yeah. got to send him back <laughs> to the factory. Trevor Lawrence is a true freshman who looks like Tim Lincecum's gangly dirtbag younger brother, but maybe the best player in college football right now. And it's going to be tough to see us get anything other than Alabama, Clemson, five and six for the next couple of years. So uh, all other programs, go ahead and, you know, make those Fiesta Bowl plans or make those Citrus Bowl plans, but don't plan on being in the national title game. At Austin P. last week, both men's and women's basketball teams swept Eastern Kentucky and Moorhead State. On the men's side, neither game particularly close. EKU was the Jared Givens show. Uh, dude dropped 25, had hit a boatload of three-pointers, uh, most by a go since 2016 with seven, and the, the Colonels were cooked by the third media timeout of the first half. It was, a, it was an onslaught that was quite impressive. And when Givens wasn't doing it on the perimeter, Dayton Gunn was slicing the lane and dunking on people's heads. Isaiah Hart made his debut in the opener, banked in a three-pointer, and then t- Saturday turned around the Govs, Physically overmatched Moorhead State. Nine block shots, most since 2014. 
Gum and Jabari McGee were basically untouchable. And I want to touch on Jabari here for a minute. I hadn't seen him take over a game like that yet as a governor. Uh, impossibly soft touch around the rim. Just Moorhead had no answers for him. And when teams don't have an answer for Dayton or when teams don't have an answer for Terry Taylor, I'm not particularly surprised anymore because I've seen teams not have an answer for them. I hadn't seen anybody have nothing for Jabari yet, and that is really an encouraging sign as we get into the teeth of OVC play. The bench continues a torrid stretch, averaging 32.3 points over the last seven games. Gum, a big reason why. He's at 13.3 during that stretch. Had 17 against EKU, 20 against Moorhead State. The Govs reaching double digit in wins in just the 15th contest, fastest to 10 wins since 2000-2001, and halfway to the 20-win plateau that has eluded Austin P since the 2010-2011 season. On the women's side, just as impressive. And coming into the game against Eastern Kentucky, and you know they, they sc- scored 100 points, won by 35. Obviously, that was impressive. And while we maybe didn't expect that to happen, you have to think the Govs were the favorites. Eastern Kentucky coming into this game had was one of 10 schools who had not beaten a Division One school. Or one of ten Division One schools who had beaten a fellow Division One school. Let me um, rephrase that. And it was just uh, after the first quarter, which EKU started out. Both teams started out hot, but after about the halfway point of the first quarter, it was all Govs um, defense really clamped down. And um, especially, and I want to give a shout out to Gabby Gregory as well. Came off the bench in the second half in just 12 minutes of play, career high 20 points, five three pointers, the most by an Austin P uh, player this season in terms of. Three-pointers, Keisha Gregory, uh, also 19 points. We'll touch on her more as well. Um, the Govs had six players in double figures for the second time this season and scored 100 points in OVC game for the first time since 2002. Um, going into the Moorhead State game, um, if you were there and you followed along, it was very memorable. Um, coming into the game, they thought you know it was going to be a little tougher than the EKU game. And at, at the end, it was just you know two teams going straight at it just landing blow after blow, and the Govs were able to close, and that was the difference. Um, the crowd was super into it, and that was very fun from a um, purely from a spectator standpoint. Um, Moorhead led with seven, le- Moorhead led by seven points with about 3.40 to go, and the Govs closed on a 10-2 run to win the game by a single point, and that was one off a Brianna Furby free throw with about four seconds remaining. The Eagles had a good look at the basket with about two seconds left, but the shot was off-balanced. Um, ran off the, went off the rim, and the Govs improved to 2-0 in OVC play for the first time since the 2015-16 season. Keisha Gregory, uh, 25 points in this game, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, um, 8 of 13 from the field. There was two points away from a career high. Also had a season-high eight rebounds in this game. Uh, and again, we're going to touch more on her uh, in, a, in a little bit. That The end of that game, that was a s- tournament-style atmosphere. Like That's what you get in an OVC tournament with the crowds plugged in and going crazy and teams are just throwing haymakers at yeah. each other. That was a, that was a ton of fun yeah. to watch. I haven't had that much fun yeah. watching Austin P women's basketball game in quite a while. Also want to give a shout-out to Maggie Knowles there. Had a career-high 14 points against Moorhead. Uh, freshman hit with huge minutes. Also had seven rebounds in the game. She went five or seven from the field, knocked down a couple free throws late in the game, and also hit her lone three-point uh, three shot. Um, again, maybe a little bit of alliteration that I was struggling with there. I didn't even write sound. that one. <laughs> yeah. I, that one's on you. Yeah. I didn't even write that one. But she had a career high 14 with seven rebounds, huge minutes um, from the freshman, and hopefully um, she can improve on that going forward. Track and field returned from their break and set about dominating across the board at the Ed Temple Classic. 
five wins for the governors. Savannah Amato in the pole vault. Tamitha Tolbert in the 55 dash. Lennox Walker in the 55-meter hurdles. Nia Gibbs-Francis in the high jump. And Immaculate Kiplegat in the 3,000-meter run. Governors swept the top three in the pole vault and in the 3,000-meter event. And also, Sabrina Richmond, she did not win. She came in second in the 47-runner, 400-meter dash field. But she went toe-to-toe with an All-American from MTSU, whose name I can't really pronounce. But Richmond, and I know it's early, is currently fourth in the nation in the 400-meter after that performance. So a a tremendous job by her and from all the govs. Uh, Doug Molnar said afterwards that it was the best post-Christmas, post-holiday break meet they have had during his tenure here. And Doug has been around. I won't say how long, but a while. <laughs> uh, moving on to some individual honors that deal with women's basketball and track and field. As again, we're going to mention Keisha Gregory. She had 44 points over the two games, uh, over the two OVC games on the opening weekend. Uh, 25 against Moorhead, 19 against EKU. Um, was named Co-OVC Player of the Week. Uh, that is now the second uh, OVC Player of the Week award that Govs have picked up this season with Ariel Gonzalez-Farner also picking one up in November. So a big shout-out to Keisha. Uh, on the track and field side, Savannah Amato um, won two pole vaults with a 3.95-meter um I guess that was the highest she jumped in, in any of those wins, 3.95 meters? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really know how to say it. so I <laughs> But um, she was named, um, is it Co-OVC? Co-Field Athlete of the Week. Co-OVC Track and Field Athlete of the Week. Sure, yeah, we'll call it. <laughs> and then also Sabrina Richmond, who Colby just mentioned. Um, second place in the 400 meters, but again, fourth in the nation with her time after that performance and, you know, going toe-to-toe with an All-American. So very, very good performances all around from those uh, those three ladies. A really strong week for the governors last week across the board. We will take a break and welcome in Ryan Harper, uh, former Austin P baseball standout and current uh, player in the Minnesota Twins organization as he gets set to go to big league camp right after this. today is someone whose last name is synonymous with Austin P. Baseball. Both his dad, Ralph, and his brother, Reed, played here, as did Ryan Harper before getting drafted in the 37th round of the 2011 MLB draft by the Atlanta Braves. He's home for a few more weeks getting ready for spring training, his first spring training invite, and he's been gracious enough to take a few minutes out of his prep to join me today. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. So, Austin P., you're a Clarksville native. Austin P. in the Clarksville area is home. You return here every year after baseball season. Why is it important to keep those roots? This is where I'm from. This is where my family lives, where all my buddies live. So, I mean, there's really no other options for me to go live. I mean, I could consider maybe if I want to go to a bigger city, Nashville, because it's close. But Clarksville, you know everybody. I got Austin P. I got Clarksville High, places to go work out. And just like you said, a bunch of relationships that I'm tight with and I cherish. So, I want to come back here and be around all them as much as I possibly can. How did your experience at Austin P. help shape you for pro ball? It was great. I mean, Austin P. runs a awesome program, have for years, uh, produced many uh, – professional players and also produce many great college careers coming from Austin Peay. So, I mean, they set you up, right? They get you um, where baseball is more of a everyday thing than it was in high school and set you up to really realize if you want to take that next step and 
commitment to uh, try to pursue the next level. For you, it seemed like you went from just being really good to all of a sudden your senior year getting on the radar really for pro scouts. Uh, talk about talk a little bit about your ascension from good ball player to oh he's definitely draft material. Yeah, it um I think what happened for me is because I kind of went up and down with that. I came in as a freshman and uh, I was able to uh, crack the weekend rotation as a freshman as a starter and like it was good and um I got hurt about halfway through that year and kind of set me back and I didn't get to pitch. I wasn't going to get to pitch again until the conference tournament and then we got unfortunately got eliminated before I could pitch. And then sophomore year, um, I might have been putting myself on the uh, radar for to get drafted sooner because I had a good year starting as a sophomore, injured and oblique and whatnot, and uh, kind of set me back and messed up about two or three weeks of that season for me as well. So, I mean, first two were very injury-prone, and then the third one I'm, that was the most injury-prone. I pretty much missed the whole year of junior year with an elbow injury. So injuries really killed my first three years of doing anything, and then um, – I dedicated a lot of time just to getting healthy, not even thinking about pro ball. I, mean, I was like, I just want to have a healthy season in college. It's my last year. Um, and uh, I was able to stay healthy, started like the first three games of the season. And then um, we uh, I talked with Coach Mangrum, our pitching coach at the time, and Coach McClure, and they came to the best case. That it would be probably smart to move me to the bullpen that year to save my arm from too many innings. And also we had three other great starters there too with uh, – Jack, uh, Jack Snodgrass, Jeremy Dobbs, and Zach Tony. So have, having them three start and all lefties and being able to go to the bullpen to help out and close out games was a blessing in disguise because I've been in the bullpen ever since and haven't looked back. What's it like getting that call that you've been drafted? It was great. Like I said, I, I, at first I wasn't expecting it, but I finally stayed healthy for a, a year. And I was like, you know, I could get drafted, so I'm excited. Um, let's see what happens. And um, I think uh, Coach McClure and some other coaches down here really helped me, and uh, some of the Braves scouts just happened to see me or hear about me, and they gave me a chance to late 37th round. I mean, that's 37th round is pretty much just like, all right, we're just risking it. We think you got tools, so here's your plane ticket. Let's see what you got. And from then on, I was just able to open up eyes in um, each organization I've been with. What is minor league life like? Um, it's I it's it's enjoyable. It's like it's uh. You're when you first get in it, you don't know what to expect. You're not making any money. You're uh, unless you're like one of the draft or signing bonus babies. But um, but they still call them bonus babies for real. I know oh they yeah. did way way back. Oh when. yeah, they still do. They 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 get the they have all that money, and then everybody else that doesn't get a bonus, they're just running on this uh, a, a number. I don't even want to say how, how low <laughs> it is, but we struggle to really um, financially for like the first few years you're doing it. It takes a while for you to actually start making a living doing uh, when you're playing in the minor leagues, but it's um it's fun because you develop tight relationships. It's crazy because you uh you'll be with a group of guys for six seven months, develop like best friend relationships, and unfortunately most of the time it's just like you everybody goes off to their off season back to their homes and they just pick right back up in their normal lives back home. So I mean some people are able to keep tight relationships, and it's just usually just how it goes. It's harder to it's but it's weird because you are like best friends with people for six, seven months, and you just kind of <laughs> drift apart. But like, it's fun. You're there at the field every day with guys that are becoming your best friends. You go um, in these apartments that you all try to scrape enough money to live together in. It's a good time. What can or should organizations do to help out minor leaguers? Because, like you said, the, the the living conditions can be a struggle. It's it, there's you know it, everybody thinks oh you're a pro ball player you got it made. It's that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. 
it's a great opportunity to get to go play pro ball. Everyone just dreams to get to do it. Like I understand, like the hell, like you're not getting paid a ton the first few years. It's like, oh well, you're there doing what you want to do. You're chasing the dream to be a big leaguer. Right. Um, it's once you sit there long enough, like you're like, all right, I need to start making some money. I'm getting older in my life. I need to do something with this. But um, things that like they do that um help you out and all that is they uh they uh some teams do it better than others. The I was been with um three teams: the Braves, the Mariners, and the Twins. With the Twins, I've been up uh. I've just been with them one year, and usually at the higher levels, they stop really doing like host families and stuff. And um, but with the Braves, they were always great about that. That's who I like. I came up with the first teams. They uh, they were had host families everywhere you went. And that's like the only thing you can really do to like try to help save money is living. So, I mean, with the Braves for half the time, for, for my first two years, I actually got an apartment. And the next three, we had a host family, and they were awesome like you develop a good relationship with host families and it saves you a ton of money then also the every organization i've been with they uh they uh, help you with uh eating like they give you meal money for like the road just to, like have a little i mean it's just a little extra to help out it's not like it's going to be a super big chunk of change or anything but they give you a little money to help and also like they uh supply food in the food in the clubhouses um yeah you got to pay your clubhouse dues but it's set at like a cheaper rate than what it typically would be for what you'd pay for so they help you a little bit with meals and if you're lucky, they'll help you with living. Your career numbers in the minors are pretty eye-popping. Uh, 256 ERA, 11 strikeouts per nine. It's obvious you can do this. Is it just – is there some frustration that, you know, you get caught up in the numbers game sometimes when you're being shuffled around in the minors? Yeah, it is. It's um, – a lot of times, like, you just – like, you the numbers are there because you got to do everything you can to open up eyes. That's how you're going to be seen. I mean, like I said, I'd go back to the whole – bonus babies like they're going to get more opportunity because they're having investment and just like if you and i have an investment in something we're going to obviously care more about that and um i use fantasy football reference as a term if you draft someone in the first round as your running back and the guy you pick up in free agency is killing it you're going to try to play that first rounder just because your heart's with him <laughs> i'm just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> but uh um it's <coughs> it's you get caught up in the numbers and it like it you like, all right, why am I not doing this? Because my numbers are better and so-and-so. You just can't do that. All you can do is go out there and just worry about yourself and just try to make uh, every opportunity count. Just Seriously, like you're trying to show yourself off for them, trying to let them see you. And the, all you can do there is be the best person and best pitcher or uh, position player you are, the best you can be. I pulled this from baseball reference, and maybe it's incorrect, or maybe it's correct. I don't know. It says you're 6 for 17 with two doubles and four RBI during your minor league <laughs> career. Yeah, that's what I always <laughs> say. Like I, uh, when I came here, um, they told me I could. I'm, I'm joking halfway when I say all this because I know I'm a pitcher. I'm not really a hitter, but um, they said because I was always a hitter in high school, and I was like, oh, yo, can I at least have a chance to like hit in college? And I never got to hit BP or anything once I got to Austin P. That was funny, but um, no, I enjoy hitting. I just I sit up there and I just I know as a pitcher I'm probably gonna get fastballs. They want to get you out quick, so try to jump on the the first one you get over the plate and see if you can hit it. And I was. Lucky enough to barrel up a few, get a couple doubles. But it's just fun to hit. I tell you, the first one I saw was uh, in 2000 and I guess it was 2013. And um, the last pitch I'd seen live was in high school in 2007. So it had been a little over six years since I'd seen a live pitch last at that time. And <laughs> it came in pretty quick. But it was my first at bat, too, that also hit a double off the wall. So it was like the second fastball I saw, I just like, I just time it. We'll just put the bat down. 
I just hit it over left fielder's head. Home run would have been more cool. What is <laughs> what is the situation where they're like, all right, Harper, get a bat. You got to go hit. Well, with the Braves, they're a National League team. So double A up, if you're a National League team playing another National League team, the hitters uh, hit or the pitchers hit. And it was like you, it happens when you're late in the game. I was typically throwing in late innings. So if you want to like say they want to keep the pitcher in to throw the next inning, um, they'll let him hit. Like say like we're up by like two or three runs. They're like, all right, we'd rather him just pitch than pinch hit and have to bring someone else in, that kind of thing. Or if it's like, say the other way around, your team's losing by a certain amount of runs and they don't want to uh, um, – Don't want to burn another pitcher. Don't want to burn – exactly. Don't want to burn another pitcher. They just let you hit. But what I like is my last year in double at the Braves, because uh, I'd actually already had pretty good numbers hitting and like showed that I can actually put the barrel in the ball. They actually pinch hit me one time for uh, a for, for a pitcher, and then I didn't even go into pitch because I, <laughs> I was I, I was burned <laughs> from the day before. So I got to pinch hit and didn't even go pitch. Your first call-up came in 2017, right? Um, yes. What's that call like? I was, man, it was awesome. It's what you play for um, – your career that's where you get drafted what you initially hoped for you I mean you want to go have fun and play baseball but it's the time of your life where this is you're committing you're committing time to not playing minor league ball you're the time and fun that you're having in the minor leagues committing to it everything you work for is to get that call to go up to the big leagues and um my time as i'm sure you see is uh was short-lived it was just three days i didn't even get to throw but um it was a blast and it was surreal and i want to i mean the last two years i've been um just been hungry to get back there and hopefully get to pitch and prove uh, my worth with another team. It was in Boston, right? Boston's where I got called up, and then I got to also go to Colorado. So I was in Boston a couple of days and Colorado a couple of days. And your dad got to go up to Boston to mm-hmm. see you, didn't dad he? Dad came up to Boston, and then I had a group of buddies that came out to uh, Colorado. Because y- didn't your dad get to come onto the field with you? What's mm-hmm. it like to bring dad down onto the field that was with cool. his big league? And Fenway's always been his favorite part, too, so that was pretty neat for him there. I uh, – um. Just like I was like, all right, I gotta get some pictures today. Who knows? Like, it's, it was funny at the time because like, oh, I might only be here a couple of days. Turns out I was, but uh, I was like, I gotta get as many pictures as I can. Just remember this moment. So I got uh, mom, dad, my girlfriend was there. We all came down the field, took a picture. But it was great uh, sharing the picture with dad. You can see it, how excited he was, like in his face. You know, that being his park, and I mean, he's just supported me, and my brother's career for so long. Just done baseball stuff with us since we were, could walk out in the driveway, so it was definitely neat and special for him. It was a special moment that I'm sure neither one of us will forget. Hoping I get him another one. I was looking at the twin schedule this year. They play at the Yankees on his birthday, so that'd be a good birthday present. <laughs> did he do the thing where he got up and went off by himself like he did over at Raymond C. Hand? Um, or was there no place to go in Fenway where you could kind of be Fenway's a little more crowded, too. It was, a, it was a holiday as well, so it was it was definitely packed. I mean, they, they always pack it out as it is, but it was, it was crowded, and I mean, if I would have gotten up to throw in the bullpen, odds are he probably would have got up and tried to find somewhere to stand. But I'm sure he just sat down uh, with mom somewhere and just just trying to take it all in. Quick break to talk about our friends at Renew Dental. Confident smile creates a renewed sense of self. Renew Dental takes an approach to dental care that accommodates complex family schedules by offering convenient extended hours and a pampering atmosphere. Comfort and a sense of security and belonging are among their top priorities. Visit RenewDental.com or stop by their location at 1835 Madison Street, Suite A, today. You've gone uh, to the Winter Leagues a couple of times, haven't you? Most recently, mm-hmm. Venezuela. Yeah, I just went to Venezuela for uh, three weeks here, I mean, just in December. I came home Christmas, and um, then uh, I think they were, they're in the playoffs now. But um, I uh, 
opted. I was a little sick and didn't go back, but the three weeks I was there, I um, it was they were super nice to you. They uh, they take care of you. I mean, I don't know uh, how everyone would feel about going to these um, countries, like if, but um, I felt safe with the team. I wouldn't want to live there. No offense to the country, it's beautiful country. The land is awesome, but uh, the team was great to you. It's just a, it's a different world. It's something that you're not familiar with, and just you just got to go. Just it's kind of like an experience. You're just it's like a you're getting paid to go see a part of the world that you never would have seen. And also practice baseball in the meantime. I was going to ask about the danger because that was right around the time of Luis Valbuena and Jose Castillo and yeah. the, the situation down there. That stuff's really scary. Like, I knew going into it, like, it was like that. But then, like, it just really hits you hard there, too, man. You just start thinking about their family and their um, – I mean, I know one of them, if not both of them, had kids and just all – like, they uh, – that's just terribly sad. Like, and how it all happened, like, with – um, the the accident and then getting robbed. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is really happening. It's almost like a movie type stuff. And like the team I was on, we were busing to play that team the next day, and the games for the weekend got canceled. So we had three days off, and some of our guys went to they knew them went over to their uh, like funeral services they had. But uh, yeah, we were pretty close to it, and it's it was scary. What's the what's kind of the motivation for going south and being involved with these winter leagues? Um. A lot of it is, like, there's multiple things. I mean, one of the main things you can say is obviously financial reasons. People go because they pay you extra. It's, uh, so that's one reason. And two is, like, the game of baseball. Their baseball there is really good. It's, uh, it's fun. They get into it. They really, really care about their baseball. It's a good, like, atmosphere to be around and see that. And it's like, okay, this is, like, it's cool to not be as part of, like, the business side of it as much as, like, sometimes American baseball turns into, which, I love American baseball because that's what I'm used to, and I feel a lot more comfortable doing the ball here. But it's neat to get over there and see the stuff because they're really passionate about it. And I mean, not to say we're not passionate about it here, we're really passionate about it here as well. But you can, it's just a different kind of thing. Just uh, Everybody's got their different cultures and their different habits, and it's neat to go see it because there's some really good ball played over there. And like you, you play uh, here with these teams, you play with a lot of Venezuelans or Mexico players and Dominicans. You play with a lot of them in the States, so you get to know them a little bit. So it's kind of cool to go see them and their like home country their prime element so there's always crazy stories that come out of those games about people like taking a gun and blowing the ball a fly ball out of the air or something did you ever see anything like that i didn't see anything like that thank goodness um but no i, I think i don't see that happening i don't think that you can get into stadium with a gun or anything the the <laughs> office of security will carry machine guns around the stadium but i don't think any of the uh um fans get to carry any of that in they carry machine like openly carry machine guns around the stadium. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you were traded by the Braves to the Mariners for Jose Ramirez, or as part of that trade. Yep. What's the first time being traded like? It was cool. It was um, like I was like you know, it's just I had never been traded before. It was a new part of it. Just being that's what pro ball is. Like you're just one of their uh, investments, one of their pawns. They can put you here trade you here get something back here just i don't know it was just it was neat to like be part of a, a trade but at the same time i was like oh man i gotta leave the braves i really like the braves i came up with them developed a ton of good relationships with them there and i feel like my opportunity with them was coming uh was about to be pretty good with um how their um organization was at the time but um the trade happened and i go to seattle and seattle was awesome for me seattle um changed my career made a gave me the call up for a few days and as, and that's helped my minor league career ever since then, just for those three days. But um, Seattle was – I mean, I can't complain about any of the teams I was with. Everybody's been good. and 
first year with the Twins was awesome last year, and they uh, reached out to me before I even became a free agent to resign. So it was, and the fact I'm going back to them, super excited. Organizational philosophies, is everyone doing the same stuff in their organization, or is there a definite difference between each system? Um, it's hard to say because all the organizations will change year to year. So I can't really say, like, if the Mariners are doing what they were doing now – Two years later, since I've been since I was there, and the Braves, I mean, they're probably doing completely different than how uh, I was, I guess, four years ago when I was there. I know the Braves had a way known as like the Braves way. They were like strict on rules more so than other teams, which can be a good thing and bad thing. Like trying to mold their young players to be a certain way, have a certain identity. But um, as far as like uh, the way they the games are played, see, I don't know if the Braves are into like the like the shift that um, the Mariners were really into the years I were there or the uh, analytics of like pitching and hitting like the Twins are and like the numbers games like the Twins are and all that stuff. But um, I know that like see the, tw- the even like back there I said like with the Mariners they may, even body may not even be into the shift anymore. I even heard there's some rule that you they may not be allowed to do a shift or something which is kind of crazy. I feel like players should be able to play where they want. So I don't know if that's true or not. And then um, – but I, what I've seen all around baseball, what I've read and like seen with all these hires and whatnot with all the teams throughout baseball that people are getting into the numbers and analytical st- uh, part of the game. And that's kind of taken over a little bit. And it's uh, it'll be neat to see how it comes. People are just like – it's just like anything else you do. Anything evolves. Any business you do, you're looking for a way to get an edge. And that's just – I think that's the direction they're going right now. How's that analytical stuff? I know that it's hit the big league level really hard. How's it trickle down into the organizations? Um, they use it everywhere. I mean, obviously, in the big league level, it's the one that the people that have the money and the people that run the organization care about the most is the big league level. But, I mean, the ones below them, they obviously are going to do the same thing there because those are the ones that they want coming up and helping the ones that they uh, – the team that they really want to win. But, um, yeah, you we get all that stuff we down at the minor leagues. Um, they're looking at – more so in AAA than anything. I mean, the other ones they probably do a little bit below it, but AAA, I mean, you're right there. Half the guys are going up each week and down each week. So there, are, you use a lot of the analytical stuff and numbers there, and you get an ex- um, they have extra coaches that like were there for that purpose to show you and talk to you about that. It sounds like it's better for them to present you with the hey, here's what the information says, and then you mm-hmm. either do what you want to do or it plants that seed. Right, kind of like the whole. Tiger Woods thing, how he says that all his swing coaches, they tell him everything that they can possibly tell him about to possibly do, and he says he maybe applies 10% of it to his game. He's his own coach. But, I mean, it's good to be able to listen to it and, like, think about it. It gives you something to think about. All right, that's enough baseball for a second. Um, <laughs> let's let's move into the questionnaire that I think is uh, probably too dumb to lay on you, but I'm going to do it anyway. What is your favorite word? Hmm. Put me on the spot. I don't even know anything like this. I've never thought about a favorite word. Um. Hmm. You got me at a blank. I mean, you've been speaking English for several years. I know, right? I'm, just, I'm trying to think of all the words I pick. What can I pick? <laughs> I'm just trying to look around, and see an object. No. Uh, Titans, there we go. <laughs> Stuck on, I'll stick on football, favorite team. What's your least favorite word? Bama. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? 
Um, my dad's one that's always inspired me. Just like uh, people are who inspire me. Like people like my dad and his other influences on life that um, I can see the way they do things and carry their business and just like I was like, all right, I kind of want to do something like that. Just I, w- I like seeing people like organize and taking initiative and just doing stuff. I'm like, all right, this is inspiring. I want to do that. What's the last book you read for fun? I do read a lot, so you got. Me. I can answer you on this one without being stumped. I, uh, I'm actually on a, on a James Patterson kick right now. I am on. Uh, I just. I'm halfway through the honeymoon. I know it came out a long time ago, but it's one of his bigger ones that I know was um, popular. So I'm excited to finish it. And I also just read like one of his, the Beach House. I just finished that like two weeks ago. And then um, the uh, Robert Galbraith Corman Strike series. She's like, or Robert Galbraith's like a J.K. Rowling. Um, like just a different name to try to hide her but uh, I just finished Lethal White that's the fourth book of that installment too that was a long one but it was good they're all really good but I could go on about books I read I read all year I'm just glad I got an answer I've asked that question (laughs) for three months now and most people are like what's a book (laughs) what's your worst habit um I don't bite my nails or anything uh I mean, I guess you could say chewing tobacco, but it's not really a habit. I just do it because I'm sitting in a bullpen. But um, that's obviously not a good habit. I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Oh. Hmm. Should I answer this question honestly or I'm just kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. can't really say anything in the sports world because if you're prepared in sports you shouldn't be terrified just have the normal butterflies that's what it should be but terrifying hmm if you've ever had a panic attack those are pretty scary but uh maybe a movie got them pretty good <laughs> which one Recently, I can't think of it. I usually don't get scared that easy. That's a good quality to have. Yeah, I don't really get too scared that often. So that's my fun. I just don't get scared. Nothing scares me. All right, <laughs> works for me. What's your idea of happiness? Happiness. I I know this is like everyone thinks this is just happiness. Just things for it to be easy. Not to not to have too many worries, just have a. I mean, no one wants complications, but I mean that's the kind of life you want—just an easy life where everyone gets along, things things go the way that you plan for them to go. But obviously, none of that happens. But that's obviously what everybody shoots for. What's your idea of misery? The opposite of that. <laughs> Everything going wrong that could. Never being comfortable. <laughs> what makes you never being comfortable is probably the good thing. Makes me self-conscious. I don't really got anything there. I guess uh, maybe some making someone not like me for some reason. That kind of bothers me. I don't want anyone to not like me. Even though I'm sure there are people that don't, but I don't want to know about it. <laughs> I've, just, I've just got to think that as somebody who stands around on a hill, dead center of a diamond, you can't get self-conscious about much. No. I, I don't worry about what's going on around me on the mound. There's only one thing going through my mind there, and that's – Getting the hitter out. What is the most embarrassing song you've ever purchased? Song? Yeah. 
Oh man, there's definitely a lot of these because I like a lot of a uh, lot of old chick music. Um, I mean, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I mean, that's not embarrassing if you ask me, but some people might say I have a lot of her stuff. And then you go back to some '90s pop. I'd get some like I got some like Ashley Simpson songs on there. <laughs> I mean, I was I was with you when you said Taylor Swift, and now Ashley Simpson. That's I'm just a trying to think of embarrassing for other people. That's not for me because I mean, that's some good songs they got. Trying to think of a few different things, but yeah, I'll go with that one. That'll yeah. stick on it. That one'll definitely make Avril Lavigne. I got some of hers. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, who else can I think of that people might not like? Ashley Simpson is a good one. All right, on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> How would you prefer to die? Oh man, old and happy <laughs> in my sleep. <laughs> if you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as? So like obviously like an animal, anything. So another human. Yeah, sure. Hmm. I like to be a really good golfer, like the number one player on tour. That'd be awesome. I'm terrible at golf, so I say this, but I just love watching. It. It'd be awesome just to beat my friends at golf, <laughs> and then just go win on all this money on tour, just being outside hitting the ball. What might prompt you to lie? Why would anybody lie? Make themselves look better, I guess. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? The future. Just uh, love and happiness with people. Your career. Just That's the only thing I can think of for that. you got to be hopeful for your future, I think. If you're not, that's pretty miserable. What's our purpose in life? Um, purpose in life is, I mean... The Lord all put us here to live it to its fullest, uh, love and trust in God. That's what I believe in, and live for Him and be good to others. So, what's your prognosis for this year? Now you got a camp invite with the Twins. It's your is that the first full invite to the big league camp of your career? Yeah, this is my first like big league spring training invite. I'm super excited about it. They just got a whole new coaching staff, and the fact they invited me it meant a lot. So, um, I was thrilled to re-sign with them and. We'll see what happens from there. I've been to uh, several mini camps in the past. I went to a mini camp with the Braves and two of them with uh, Seattle, and also the mini camp with the Twins last year. I mean, that means you get to go to the big league side a good amount of the time, and be part of the games, but you're really not a part of the camp. You're not like scheduled to throw. You don't develop the relationships with the staff like you really need to, and especially at my age and for anybody, that's a big thing like to do if you want to get called up. You kind of need to develop a relationship with the big league staff and. That's why it means a lot to me there, just to go and get to meet those guys and hopefully open up some eyes when I get to pitch. Well, best of luck. I know you'll kill it because you always kill it. Ryan Harper, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm good. Thanks very much to Ryan Harper for joining us this week. I uh, love having our alums when they come back around. Uh, 
to to just talk to and, and get their life experience. It's a, it's a lot of fun to see what they've taken from Austin P and apply it into the real world. As we look ahead to this week, we are once again back on the road for basketball. This is the SEMO and UT Martin leg of the schedule, which people clown on destinations in the OVC outside of Nashville and Clarksville, and maybe I'm overestimating what people outside of Clarksville think of Clarksville. Uh, could be a bit of hubris on my part, but Cape Girardeau is practically civilization, and many fine people live in Martin. Neither are Murray, and I think we can all agree that that's probably fine. Uh, let's let's have an impromptu <laughs> draft of Ohio Valley Conference cities. I'll give you pick number one. Well, I think that's definitely got to be Nashville. Okay. I will take Clarksville as pick number two. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go bold here and uh, go with Cookville. Cookville. Hmm. Going to get my Tennessee assets up. Uh, see, I will, I will hop out of Tennessee, and I will take the dark horse Edwardsville, Illinois, just outside of St. Louis. Um, I... I think now for me is uh, is Cape Girardeau. I think I think it's balanced city. You know, I think it's I think this is a safe pick right yeah, there. It's a river city. It's yeah. got a port. You know, just in exactly. case everything goes to heck and we gotta you know, exactly. we gotta use our rivers for transport nowadays. You're 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 getting some oceanfront property there. I will take Martin as I mentioned. Many fine people in Martin. Plus, it's close to my wife's home of Jackson, yeah. Tennessee. So I may as yeah. well take that one. And are, are we all in agreement that Murray is going to be the last pick? Probably, okay. yeah. Um, that means I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Uh, a lot of promise, I think, from Jacksonville. It's just so hard to get to Jacksonville. Yeah. really my only qualm with that. I will take, and I can't believe it lasted this long, Richmond, Kentucky. <laughs> That's mine. That's uh, not. There's not much there, yeah. but it is uh, certainly better than not Richmond. Something was. Um, I'm going to go with Charleston, even though – I've never been, and I, you know, maybe not have heard the, the best, but we can maybe mold that into something. <laughs> Charleston, mm. it ain't Moorhead. Yeah. Well, I guess that leaves me with Moorhead and you, unfortunately, with Murray. Yeah. So there you have it. These, these rankings are scientific and not to be disputed. What were we talking? Oh, yeah, basketball. basketball. Yeah, yeah, basketball. Uh, neither Martin nor Simo are above 500 this season on the men's side. The best wins for either are probably against Chattanooga. Both teams defeated Chattanooga, ranked 266th in the most recent NCAA net ratings out of 353 teams, and that's the best win for either. Martin's lost four in a row since defeating Chattanooga on December 18th. Simo went into last weekend having lost five straight since December 8th until they beat Martin. So, this could be a good weekend to get into OVC road play is w the conclusion I've drawn here. The women fresh off um, top of the table now with Tennessee Tech after two OVC games, a host of teams at 1-1, one and, one, and both of those include Southeast Missouri and UT Martin. Southeast, uh, the Govs have defeated Southeast Missouri the last five meetings in the last eight of ten overall. Um, so, you know, good Good fortune there, possibly for the Govs. Um, and Simo and UT Martin both split the one and one, as I said. And uh, UT Martin actually defeated Simo in uh, their most recent game. So again, when it's only two games into a conference season, it's kind of hard to determine how good some teams might be. So I think after um, the Govs play the Red Hawks, then maybe we'll get a better indication of what we can expect going against um, 
the Skyhawks on Saturday. Yeah, this second weekend always kind of separates everybody a little bit. You start to see who's rising and who's kind of coming back to the pack a little bit on both the men's and women's side. Trackville back in action this weekend in Birmingham, site of the 2019 OVC Indoor Championships for the Vulcan Invite, hosted by UAB. And the Birmingham Crossplex was the site of last year's record-setting pole vault performance by Savannah Amato, and she looked to solidify her standing as one of the nation's best once again at this meet as she aims for an NCAA uh, outdoor berth or indoor berth or both. In, indoor. We, indoor. It's little, still indoor. Yeah, it's a little it's cold a, it's out. It's a little yeah. chilly for outdoor right now. Either way, she looks to qualify to the NCAAs, and um, hopefully maybe that a familiar venue that she set a record at um, will help spur her on. Hopefully. Uh, it's a, a good opportunity for, for the Govs to get the, the first look at the site of the OVC Indoor Championships. I think that's always a good thing to do is – Get some familiarity with the facility, even if it's just knowing where to go and knowing where, okay, I'll warm up here. Here's where I compete. It, it just takes some of the guesswork out of it when you get to the conference meet. Some important dates um, that people should mark on their calendars. January 24th, we'll be honoring all of our academic achievers across all of our uh, sport programs. January 25th is the Hall of Fame dinner, and January 26th will be recognition during the basketball games. Who are playing that day, you know? Uh, Belmont's the January 26th. Belmont. Game, so against Belmont, we will have recognition um, for all those uh, all those people. So keep an eye out for more information. And once again, mark those dates on your calendars because you do not want to miss that. Get in touch. Stay in touch via web and social media. Dylan, where do people go to find us on the social medias? You can find us at Let's Go P on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can follow each sport program on Twitter at their respective handle. And shout out to Taylor Wiseman in Video Services and Tyler Davis in Digital Media. They're both getting ready to put out some great content at the start of basketball season. So um, keep it tuned to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to see some, some great new content. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Olay, myself, we do things over there. You've probably seen them. Continue to see them. We like them page views. And once again, I'm going to shout out these ticket people because they know what they're doing. And now, after each team goes 2-0 at OVC at home, you know, there's no excuse. So go see Katie Locke. Go see, go see Sydney Hooper. They have you with the tickets. Again, these we have two good basketball teams, and you don't want to miss, um, especially especially a game like the Austin P versus Moorhead State women. If you were there, I mean, it was an awesome game to watch. Um, they deserve your support. A crowd um, like against Moorhead can really provide a lift to the team and just spell absolute doom for the opponents. Sounds like the giant stadium again. But uh, <laughs> we've had it before, but we need it again here in the Dunn. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast because we need all the help we can get. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out or request some in-game basketball music. Email us at schwartzd at apsu.edu or wilsonrc at apsu.edu. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Goodbye. Y'all know his name? Hey, Mac, Ladies and gentlemen. Shoulders work. I mean, I don't know what y'all came here to do, but uh, hey. if you ain't got a lighter, what the f you smoking for? We hot, hot. What the f though? Damn. Where the love go? Oh. Five, four, three, two, I let one go. Wow, get the f though. Hey. I don't bluff, bro. Aiming at your head like a buffalo. You're a rough neck.